Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is Season 5, Episode 9 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It's slated to come out on 5-30-2022, and uh, so for all of you guys, that's the last, or on the last couple days of May, so just in case somebody in Europe was like, why are you, why are you doing that backwards? Uh, and we're going to start off with Lester's Fixin's Cucumber Soda. So my family and I went to uh, this place called Gatlinburg here in uh, Tennessee. It's not far from where we live. And we went and got some, you know, snacks and foods and things like that. And at one of their candy stores, there was this soda. And I thought this would be just like a great thing for me to try because I've always wanted to try cucumber soda. I'm her- I've heard you can take cucumber seed and make a... Um, like a cucumber soda out of it mm-hmm. so i've always wanted to do it and um i saw this and then i thought you know we should do this on the podcast i should not be the first person to experience this alone so what do you think of it you've taken a couple sips this is very interesting i expected to absolutely hate it because i hate cucumbers uh-huh. um it's not that bad it definitely has a little bit of a cucumber taste but it's not overpowering right and it, it at, at that point then it tastes like a fairly mild soda uh, now, now reaching back into the vaults because it's hard nowadays to find a soda that isn't flavored. Right. Um, reminds me a lot of a drink called Doctor Enough, which you can get in Tennessee in certain parts of North Carolina. Yes, and stuff like I that. do know what what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't love Doctor Enough, but it's supposed to be kind of like a Doctor Pepper, like kind of thing, but not exactly. Well, sort of. Yeah, it, it's it's basically a neutral soda. They don't put any other flavorings in it. It's just like tonic water and sugar. Right. Right. And its whole thing for being "quote unquote" doctor enough is it's full of vitamins and stuff right. um, they throw into it. It's a nice oh, little I'm, regional I'm thinking favorite. of I'm thinking of a different soda. You're you're right. I've had both, but I'm thinking of a mm-hmm. different one. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, I I like doctor enough, but purely because of nostalgia. Um, because you know my parent, my grandparents lived in Tennessee. I'd always have it when I went to go see him. Um, it's not bad. I'm not sure I'd I'd drink another bottle, but I'll certainly finish like what was was poured here. If you are a person that likes cucumbers, like you like cucumber water and stuff like that, this is probably a much better drink for you. Well, I mean, it's you know got sugar in it and stuff like that. So if you're diabetic, don't think it's like some sort of good thing. Oh yeah, I mean, it's still it's not soda good for me. Yeah, um, I don't see how many calories it is. Oh, here it is, right here. So it says on here. It's 170 calories per bottle. It has 42 grams of sugar in it. That's a lot of sugar. And 43 grams of carbs. So it's got one more carb in it other than its sugars, um, which is probably some sort of like natural thing. Or something yeah, like that. something like that. But, I mean, yeah, I, it's, it, I kind of like it. I love cucumbers. Mm-hmm. I love pickles. I love things like that. It's kind of good. It's kind of bad. But here's the thing I think this would be good in. If I wanted to make a mixed drink with something that was flavored like this, I think that would be good. Yeah, you could definitely pull that off, especially like the more savory cocktails. Mm-hmm. You, but you want to put a little sweetness into it. Yeah, absolutely. That worked really well. Um, and yeah, I mean, even even from a cucumber end, it's not that bad. Like, I love pickles. I hate, I hate cucumbers. Um, I, I think that's in the back of my mind, again, the little tingles from last episode. I remember... At a very young age, eating a cucumber and just being appalled by it. Um, and I think it was probably just like a bad cucumber or something. Because I can't tell you what I don't like about a cucumber. It's not necessarily the taste. It's not the crunch. Because I'll eat things that taste similar. And I'll eat things that have the same level of crunchiness. 
but I swear my wife always makes fun of me. Anytime we get like a sushi roll or something and it comes with cucumber in, I take my chopstick and I poke all the cucumber out <laughs> and then, uh, then I'll eat it. I, I, cucumber, especially as I've gotten more, it's become more problematic for me, you know, being a diabetic. Mm-hmm. Cucumber is one of those things that's really good for my blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So I, um, am always like eating those things and stuff like that. Do you want me before I pour the beer that we have for this episode mm-hmm. to rinse out your glass? No, it's fine. Okay. It, it really was inoffensive. Okay. Um, maybe even bordering on it. Someone who hates cucumber still a little good. Yeah. I think it was pleasant. I would not, if I wasn't diabetic and I wanted to have a um, drink, uh, I, I would not kick that out. Yeah. So, the other thing that we're going to have today is the Irish Red Ale that we made. Um, so it is a um, just a, an Irish Red Ale kit we got from, um, the, I got it from uh, Northern Brewer, and we made it together, mm-hmm. and it went completely dry, so it's it's uh, at 1.0, you know, for, for what it went to. I uh, think it ended up being 5%, 5.7% ABV, so close to somewhere between like 55 6% ABV, and it was five gallons, and that's it. Um, I did put, because I, I, I was mm-hmm. doing some multiple things at the same time, I accidentally put uh, wine tannin in this, so <laughs> if, it, if it tastes a little oaky, that's why. Um, but sure, go ahead and tell me what you yeah, think. I mean, of it. it does taste a little bit oaky, but I kind of like that. I don't think that was a bad addition. Um, in the beginning, I really like it. It's got like a little bit of a citrusy note. It's acidic. Mm-hmm. It's got those little bit of bitter. You can taste the hops. My only complaint is the finish is like a, it's a little sad. Like a, it's very like powerful at the front, and then it just kind of ends in this almost like a little limp. Yeah, you know, it's not a. You know, it's not that wet cardboard taste that people often associate with, like, over-oxidation or anything like that. I don't, I don't think there's any problems like that. No, there's no, nothing like that. It's got a similar flavor to that, and just that it's a little, it's very muted, kind of wet at the end. Because it doesn't have uh, a lot of residual sugar, like most beers mm-hmm. normally do, I think that's where, it's got, like, the mouthfeel at the beginning, the initial flavors, like that tea flavor you get from beer. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it's just it just kind of goes away where you would normally have like a little bit of sweetness left on the tongue. Yeah, and it doesn't like have some of those other flavors that like a really dry beer might have, where it would be fairly acidic or very bitter yeah. or something like that. So it just it leaves that finish fairly open. And that's because I brewed it too well, I think. That's probably <laughs> it. I mean, it brewed too much of the sugars out of it. Well, you can definitely take that stance though as well as. If you have all flavors, generally your all flavors are at the finish. Right. Um, you know, you unless you've had like something go sour, you're not catching those really extringent flavors until after you've swallowed because the beer is going to overpower that. Right. So like to, to that end, you're, you're probably right. If this was brewed uh, a little bit differently, you know, if the, yet the yeast was stressed or something like that, it might not be pleasant what's at the end, but there would be something at the end. Well, um, I, I think what I'm saying is I let it, uh, so I let it brew too much and I didn't catch it before. So when I say oh, it brew okay. too well, so you, I, I, I didn't catch it before it like finished and like cold gotcha. crash it or, or pasteurize it or something like that. So it still had a little bit of sweetness or add some sweetness back at the end. Okay. So yeah, yeah. you think your gravity was lower on your product than maybe what they were intending with the kit. 
Uh, no, it was actually a little bit higher. It was supposed okay. to be like a 4.5, and uh, I got I had a little bit better efficiency out of the brew house that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, even though it was a it was an extract kit, um, you know, we we came out at like right above the the gravity. I think. Okay. I think it was just like a little bit. I think it was supposed to be five percent, and I got like a a little bit more. Or okay, something so like you that. gauged it a little bit over that yeah. line. Okay. But the the thing is, it 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 was supposed to go down to like one dot oh one, and it mm-hmm. went down to one dot oh. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I can see that. Yeah, there could definitely be that. Um, well, see, I mean, I'm not against it. It's not necessarily bad, but it's definitely something that, regardless of of whether it was how you brewed it or how the the recipe is designed. If you made it again, I would look at putting something in it or changing something in the process that's going to give it some of those more secondary and tertiary yeah, flavors. I, I agree. I would have added, I, I would have spiced it a little bit or something like that. But the whole point of this, because this isn't normally a beer I would make, mm-hmm. uh, the whole point of this was, was for us to brew it together and for you to see how the um, the brewing process of beer works, especially with like a, a uh, an extract kit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. And, you know, I mean, again, this is, this is a drinkable beer. I'm going to finish my cup. You know, I'm not as in love with it as I was the Merlot we did last episode, but this is not bad by the, really uh, definition. The one, the the beer that me and my daughter made, the Mexican Lager. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, you really yeah. like that one? <laughs> yeah, that was. That's still that's got a good place in my mind. And see, here's the thing. Um, I don't drink a whole lot, so I. Not that I have a bad reference point, but I try to not be overly in love or critical of anything. Mm-hmm. But then I'll go someplace and I'll be like, oh, this is a new bar I've never been to before. I'll order something on tap. And they're just, they're never as good. Mm-mm. This is my big thing about why I think people should homebrew is you can get such good homebrew stuff, like even out of kits. Like, um, I forget what the name of it was, but I got like a cider at a, beer, at a bar recently. And it was just sad. I mean, I don't think I've ever made a cider that was that bad. Um, and, you know, it's not necessarily that it's, was bad itself like objectively because if you are a large enough producer that you've got bars carrying you on tap you're clearly doing pretty well right right there are some people that like that Um, but just the ability to go read a recipe or a summary on the back of a kit and be like yeah that sounds good that's the kind of thing i like you know it's way harder to miss like that when you're starting from a base level of i know this is something i will enjoy when i get started you know Absolutely. And one of the reasons that I'm really so gung-ho about homebrewing my own beer, homebrewing my own wine, stuff like that, this was... I just I just hit the thing again. It, this wine it, that I made, okay, it's so, like the sound of God. I love it. The, you know, it's it's boom. like if you if you go to Judgment Day, that's what I imagine the gavel sounds like, just like the, the hit and the echo, boom. The so the, this wine that I made though, mm. this Merlot, it was not hard to make. Um, it it turned out to be like, so I think I made like forty bottles. It was sixty bucks, so it was something like five dollars a bottle or something mm-hmm. like that or it's, it's even less than that it's like like 350 or 450 a bottle something like that i'm not doing the, i'm not doing the math in my head i'm just yeah. kind of av- like estimating but you know it was it was i can't buy anything that's that good for 
that amount and the effort I put into it, let's say, let's say it's $10 a bottle. Mm-hmm. That is better than most $10 bottles of wine that oh, I would yeah, go to absolutely. the store and get, right? I mean, to be fair, it's better than a lot of bottles more expensive than that, as I found out when I signed up for that wine thing a couple months ago. <laughs> Send me 12 bottles of wine, I can only drink two of them out of. Yeah. Um, but th- um, this beer is kind of like that, right? Mm-hmm. It is better than a lot of the beers that I get not all of them because there are beer like i know Mm -hmm. where to go get the beers that i like right but it's better than a lot of the beers that i get that are kind of in that same class of beer um you know yeah absolutely i mean if i went to a bar and just played roulette with whatever they had on tap and i got this i would be happy yeah you know um it, it wouldn't be my favorite beer but it's a drinkable beer i'm gonna finish all of it if i was we normally go to a bar to get a little bar food if i was sitting there with some fries and stuff i'd be perfectly content yeah yeah so, if you want to make this, Northern Brewers Red Irish Ale kit, or Irish Red Ale kit, is not a bad one to try. And if you're thinking about getting into brewing, it's a good one. I think you can get an all-grain kit, too, if you want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I'd say try it. Just keep in mind that if you're very efficient and you brew it very well, it may come out a little bit more dry than you expect it to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was supposed to be like one dot... Um, oh one or something like that um for for its you know where it ended and it just it went a little bit drier than that um so anyways let's talk about the retroid pocket two plus not the retroid pocket two which is they're two different systems the retroid pocket two plus is a revision of the retroid pocket Mm -hmm. two i bought one of these i got the black version um it is very similar to the miu mini in in terms of its capabilities uh, the Miu Mini is a little bit less powerful because it can't quite play um, PlayStation 2 games and stuff like that. The Retroid Pocket 2 Plus is a um, GBA-style handheld that's about that size. It runs Android, and uh, it you know has all that goodness to it that you have from Android emulation and things like that. You got to play with it today, so what are your impressions of it? And then I'll talk about some of my complaints and my happy things that I like about it. Yeah, I mean, overall, I was very happy with the kind of demo I got to have. You know, played some PS1 games, played some PC games, some older PC games on it. Um, there was nothing that I really played with it that I thought was insurmountable. The, the, I mean, the PS1 game played great, um, pretty much exactly how I remembered it. Yep. The PC game, you know, you're essentially playing on a console, so the mouse is where it was. That was a little funky, but with mods, you can probably fix that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, build construction felt pretty good. Screen felt a little small. I could have maybe used, like, one more inch on that screen. And maybe the last thing is, you know, it's got the two analog sticks, but only one's the full analog. The other one's kind of with those little slidey buttons. Yeah, so a PS, um, PSP-style slider. Yeah, which, I mean, again, that emulates other handhelds. So I can't knock it too much for that, but I would have personally prefer to second full analog yeah me too and that that is one of my complaints about it is the second analog stick is not an analog stick it's a slider Mm -hmm. and if you're playing like gamecube or something which it has the ability to do um it i mean it does it okay um and you're willing to put up with some of the like slowness or some of the issues that happen with that then the slider is not the great greatest for that because gamecube uses that right yeah, yeah. analog more than it uses the left um one other thing that i think really ends up being weird with it is it doesn't if you like racing games 
it doesn't have it has a on off uh clicky uh triggers on the top even though mm-hmm. they're stacked triggers they're not analog triggers so you can't uh like control your speed or something like that it's just either you're going or you're or you're not oh okay yeah yeah now i don't play too many racing games so it doesn't matter that much to me and the ones that i do play like uh n2o or something like that they're not really racing games they're kind of like shooter games that you know have like dodging mechanics kind of like f-zero or something like that you don't you don't really need the the triggers to be able to control you know whatever you're doing so um it's not that big of a deal for me, but if you're looking at this to buy and you do play those games, okay, that could be a problem. The purpose that I bought it is it's about the same size as a Game Boy, and it's the form factor I like to play GBA games on. Mm-hmm. So anything that is up to a uh, like a PlayStation One game that I want to be able to like carry with me. Now I have a PS Vita. It's just harder to get those games kind of onto the Vita than it is this. Yeah. Uh, so um, that that's one thing. And this has Android emulation mm-hmm. on it. So I can play... Um, the only game that I found that I had problems with was Dead Cells. Um, it had a little bit of a, an issue. And the games don't look super great, right? But um, the the... The screen is not made for these like um, super fancy games, and, and quite frankly, if I want to play one of those, either I'll either play it like on my Switch, or because there's generally a port of that game on the Switch, or I'll play it, you know, on mm-hmm. in on like a phone or something. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not it for what it does in that scope. It meets my needs. I love it. Right, yep. it plays PlayStation One games great. It has a good analog stick for. If I do play a PS2 game, I can, like, Trapped or something like that, I can try to play it on there. I can maybe emulate something on the go, like um, some older RPGs that were on, like, the um, the GameCube, like Tales of Symphonia or something like mm-hmm. that. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the performance that it has for the RPGs that I play yeah. that, are, that are in that in that emulated state. So I, I think it's a great game controller. And there's a guy... Um, he uh, does uh, uh, retroid game retro game corps. That's the mm-hmm. the um, name of his channel. He does YouTube videos. He talks about this thing in depth, and I've seen some other people like kind of talk about it, and that's what kind of got me interested in it. So as opposed to the MiU Mini, I think for connectivity, it's got Bluetooth, it's got all this other stuff. You could use it as like a little console thing. It's a pretty great portable console gaming device yeah and it's small so it's gba size Mm. you know and if you're looking for something like that that you can carry with you it's got great battery life i think i've only charged it once and i've had it for like a week and a half you can put a huge memory card in it it is great um but if you're looking for something that's going to play more powerful games it's probably not the thing for you that's more like a switch or something like that so you said you're going to get one is that yeah that's probably the plan i mean i i was waiting to come play it here because you said you already had one i'll probably order it tonight yeah yeah i i think it's pretty great i just got the like jet black one but you mm. can get them in all sorts of different colors yeah i've been looking at the one that's like the same color as the gamecube i'm probably the, gonna do that the purple one yeah, yeah. that's, that's classic about that yeah so let's talk about playing star wars 5e not mm-hmm. not the d20 star wars not the star wars game system that works with suede um, but the one that uses fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, it's a um, like a community conversion 
of like a classic Star Wars. You can go to StarWars5e.com, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and like, we've been playing this for eight months, six months. Yeah. Getting something like that. Definitely past the halfway mark on the year. Yeah. I think we started like January, February of last year. So, something like that. Or, or, Maybe not quite that long. No, we started it because um, we did Suede. After we finished Tomb of Annihilation for like a couple of that's right so, that's right we did a couple other things there yeah, oh, yeah. And, and so like at the be- beginning of the uh, around Christmas time somewhere mm. January something so it's, it's getting pretty close to six months at this point yeah. I think yeah what do you think of it I really like it um, I have read a pretty f- significant in depth run of the rules. Um, it's been a lot of fun to play and on paper it's really well balanced i mean it's essentially 5e that they've taken little pieces of and moved around different places Mm -hmm. and fixed kind of some problems with the way 5e is balanced so all in all it's pretty great it's a real easy switch over i mean if you already know how to play 5e you pretty much know how to play star wars 5e the stuff you don't know is in your class descriptions and stuff like that so it's really easy to catch up on Um, it does a really good job of making the races all feel very different. The classes all feel very different. Um, and to the extent that, like, sometimes I'll read a class description and be like, is that useful? Like, is that actually good? <laughs> and then, you know, you think about it some more. It's like, yeah, that actually probably could work. Like, there's there's some classes that are really just, like, not even built for combat at all. Yeah. Like, the Scholars is really, it's almost like a weird support role without magic. But it's got, like, maneuvers. Like, even just that idea that's like, look, what if instead of being a battle master... And you used your all your like bonus dies for combat. What if you were like a support battle master and you used all of your dies to help other people? Help other people, right? You know, and multi-classing works really well and it's kind of fun. There's a lot of stack synergies there. So, yeah, it's been a blast to be able to enjoy that kind of world of Star Wars in a fairly modern like gaming uh, setup. So the the because we play online it's harder for me because i have to go find resources mm-hmm. that allow me to do stuff where like with D 5e i pretty much got everything that i already need yeah um to play and there was a there was an issue with being able to get foundry because i bought foundry to be able to play this um you know because I, I had to do like a travel thing when we first started doing it um i bought foundry to be able to do it and it didn't work and now that I'm thinking about this, I actually think we've been playing this for a year. Yeah, like I thought we, we kind of started, started playing it early like, last year, yeah. like August, because I, 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 we were playing when I had went. We played like one of the first or second episodes when I went on that trip uh, up oh, north yeah, to install right. that, right. that unit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's it's been almost a year that we've been playing yeah. this, and and you know some of our listeners of the podcast, like you know they play with us, so it's it's been like pretty great yeah it's been a lot of fun <laughs> yeah um but but um yeah so uh, i'm looking forward to seeing how this like kind of works out i think we're probably getting like closer to the end of the campaign that we have mm-hmm. uh and then we'll decide like do we want to play it again i want to play it in person because there's some things that i yeah. can't do remotely that mm-hmm. i would love to do in person and i think we're going to have a chance to do that coming up here pretty soon uh in a couple of weeks because we're going to be going to self and yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we might be able to play like everything together then. Um, I don't know though. It's gonna be a pretty, uh, it's gonna be a pretty fun time meeting and playing like possibly in person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I think as far as like a remote experience, 
it requires a lot more work from the mm-hmm. DM. Yeah, there's a lot less built-in automation because it's not like the standard rules and stuff like that. So I can definitely see that. Right. I mean, even just, you know, you go to get an item from your inventory. It's like, oh, that item doesn't actually exist in the autom- in like the pre-built thing, so i got to yeah. go create it myself. Yep. Oh, you want to do this thing slightly differently? Okay, well, you better go in and edit the weapon properties and like all that stuff, you know. Yeah, and that's not the Foundry version of it because I never got that to run. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, Fantasy Grounds because you yeah. can play it through Roll20, Fantasy Grounds, or they have like uh, a thing that you can import for all of mm-hmm. them. And most of the stuff's there. There's just you're missing maps and some pictures and descriptions yeah, and yeah. things like that. But it's it's a for a community driven, oh yeah, absolutely. free thing. It is top notch. Yeah, they they've done a really good job with it. And like seriously, in person, it's probably a lot easier to open up like the expanded content. But yeah, as soon as you you open that stuff up, there's literally hundreds of races for this that all feel kind of, you know, there's still like pieces and parts that move around. But like, is there some random alien that showed up on screen in one movie for 30 seconds? There's a race for it. Yep. They Somebody's read all the extended lore books and they figured out <laughs> what he is. And here you go. Uh, yep. So let's talk about the, the you know last topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about work-life balance uh, here a little bit because we've been with the with the pandemic and working from home. I feel like that got a little out. Um, people and the people that we work with especially have like made it that they're always kind of on. Um, and I know that impacted me a lot because mm-hmm. there was a lot of like responsibility that as a person who manages certain parts of an infrastructure that's all about making sure that people can work remotely um you know that was that was really tough for me and i found that i was working way more than i normally do probably closer to 70 hours a week mm-hmm. instead of the uh you know 50 60 hours a week i was working before and so it really hit me that I was not being very kind to myself. And so I started doing some things like, you know, I've always exercised a bit, but I started pouring more into like exercise and taking mindfulness breaks and, you know, just time to like step away from my, my work responsibilities. And that really, I feel like has helped uh, and it's also made me more productive at work, I think, because mm-hmm. it, like the I'm only focusing on the things that are important. I'm not like letting everything else distract yep, yep. me. Right. So tell me a little bit about what maybe your techniques are to be able to, because we've talked about mine before. Right? Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, what I've kind of switched to doing is I walk in every day with an agenda. Um, I'll get in, check all my emails, make sure like nothing has changed. And I just keep lists of like the high priority tasks, medium priority, low priority, and my goal is to knock a couple things off of that whole list every day. I pick out which ones I want to do. I start working on them. It's not always successful, but I found, yeah, especially as, as like more people are working remote, people are less connected. It's real easy to have a lot of unexpected work flood in where someone's like, hey, can you attend this meeting? Oh, yeah, it's at 630. Yeah. You know, oh, hey, can you do this thing? Oh, oh, something happened over the weekend. You're not on call, but I kind of texted you about it. So, yeah. I'm like, why didn't you? Yeah, why didn't you respond? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, I've really just gotten that habit that, like, look, did you, did you give me something to do, but it wasn't on my list from this morning? Okay, is it, like, urgent? Does that, like, have to happen right now? No? Okay, that, that goes to the top of the list for tomorrow. Right. Um, and that really helps me kind of center and stay a little bit more focused. It makes it feel a lot better easier to get off of work like at that four or five o'clock 
you know, like it's really easy when you have a lot of work coming in and you're, you're shifting your work around a lot to be like, Oh, it's five o'clock. I didn't get what I'm done. Maybe I'll stay till six. You know, if you set your goals like right there, like eight thirty in the morning after you've read your emails, it's a lot easier to stick to them and be like, that's a tomorrow problem. I'll, mm-hmm. That'll be at the top of the list for tomorrow. I, I know one of the things that worries me about some of the people that we work with is that they work until like eight or nine o'clock at night, their time. Oh know? yeah. I've, I see him online. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of it's, it's work, but they're definitely like on the corporate tech, like texting stuff. Like, oh, I saw this problem here. Like, well, they're oh, attending meetings and, and doing technical stuff at that time of night. And then they, you know, get back up at their, mm-hmm. you know, morning and they, they, they start work. And, and I, I know I used to do that. So like, I know what, what effect it had on my health and my mental health and everything like that. So I, that concerns me a lot when people do that. That's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for your family. It's not good mm. for the other people that you work with. Cause that sets an example for them if they're looking up to you or something like yeah. that. Right. So it's good to be a hard worker. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't, but I'm a little concerned that the way, so, I mean, number one, the corporations and businesses that we work for will continue to be there. Even if you go away, mm-hmm. even if they've got problems, um, even if you're like the head it person and this is important, it, it, you're, something's wrong if you're having to do it every night, all the time. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're in that kind of position, so, and then I think, I think for me, like we talked about how, like you, you deal with the work, but how do you deal with the stuff that you got to like, kind of let go when you get off work, you know, like for me to get my mind to like, stop thinking about the problems of work. Cause it's like a, a problem's exciting for me. Like I mm-hmm. want to solve it. So I, I start like thinking I'm when I'm not working, my mind thinks about the problems yep. and I come up with solutions how do you stop yourself from doing that stuff? I'll, I'll be honest. I know this isn't going to work for everybody because I, I actually have a lot of control over my schedule since, you know, I'm in a position I'm generally telling other people to make a meeting with me and right. I'm having to go seek them. Um, the last two hours of my day, I save for wind down. So like if I've got scheduled study sessions or something like that, I'm putting it in those last parts of the day. If I have like really casual, like one-on-ones and stuff like that. So I really try and front load my work so that my really active, I'm in the weeds, I'm doing troubleshooting, I'm getting excited about the problems I'm fixing, happen in the morning. Mm. And then, you know, if there is anything still kind of outstanding as I get towards that later part of the day, I've got that time at work that I'm not, I don't say I'm not working as hard, but it's not as active a work to like do that wind down so that when I log off at five, I got nothing else on my mind. So for me, I, I can't stop thinking about that stuff. Like I don't, it doesn't cause me not to sleep. It doesn't like keep me up at night or anything. But when I'm like downstairs playing video games, my mind's mm-hmm. also thinking about, Hey, how do I fix this problem? Yeah. I, I wish I had advice for that because I really used to be like that. I, it used to be so bad at keeping me up at night. That was a big source of my insomnia. Yeah. But at some point, you know, I just through practicing of like, look, I'm going to get off work at this time and I'm not going to work on anything else. I'm going to try not to think about it. It just kind of became natural. Um, which I know that doesn't work for most people. That's really terrible advice. Don't don't <laughs> gaslight yourself, and then that works of like, oh, just if I just tell myself not to worry about it, I'll stop worrying. Yeah, about I'll stop it. worrying about it. But that's uh, that is uh, how it kind of worked out for me. Is eventually I was just able to to turn that part off. Yeah, I I think for me I've had to do more like mindfulness exercises, like mm-hmm. where I watch, I I have a meditation that I'll do for about ten minutes where I sit there and 
and I hit the mic. I, I solved it with everything except for right there. But I'll sit there and I will, while, while I'm focusing on whatever I'm doing, when my mind starts shifting to something else, I recognize the thought and then I let it go. And, it's, and the way I imagine it is it's like a leaf that falls off of a tree and hits mm. some water on a river. And when it, the, you know, the thought that I have is on that leaf and it just kind of floats by and I'm just watching it instead yeah, of yeah, like yeah. interacting with it. So that's helped me a whole lot. It's not perfect, you know, um, but that's, that's, I think the coping mechanism that you have to have because it doesn't work for everyone is, is like an important thing. And as someone who a lot of what I do is all about making sure that people can work from home and work from home successfully. Mm-hmm. That is a huge component of that because if your work, if your workspace and your living space is the same, you never get to quit being at work. If you don't make those boundaries. Exactly. You got to get those mental barriers up so that you're comfortable walking away from it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have, I, I didn't have, I had a whole like separate room in both of my previous mm-hmm. houses. And then I had, I have a whole floor basically. And, I've even got this one cordoned off the fun part and yep, the yep. work part, you know, mm-hmm. like between the two. And I can, I can kind of mentally go, okay, I'm going to go sit here in this armchair and be away from, from work. If I yep. need to take like a 10 or 15 minute break, sometimes I haven't needed that so much lately though. Maybe because I'm not as, you know, I'm, I'm not as in the weeds, yeah. you know, so your much. responsibilities are shifting yeah in a good yeah. direction oh uh, well we'll see <laughs> probably probably a good direction for your mental health yeah pro- probably a good direction for my mental health probably a good direction for my career too but yeah. we'll see we'll see if that i just don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen so mm. um anyways is there anything else you want to say about that topic no i think right. i'm good well then this has been season five episode nine of the beer and broadband podcast Thank you so much for listening. We have a Twitter and a Patreon, and we'd love to have you engage with us there. Give us some ideas for some episode topics, or, uh, you know, there's even if you do the Patreon thing, you can, like, kind of give input on different things that you want us to talk about or, you know, other things like that. So uh, we're happy to hear what you guys have to say, and we'll catch you next time.